praise the Lord. I'm, con- I'm continuing a series called Running with the Giants. If you've been here, uh, you know what this is about. If not, let me catch you up for just a minute. Let me take just a few moments to give you the biblical context. Uh, the Apostle Paul, who is one of just the pivotal figures in the, in the New Testament, I mean, he started the majority of churches around the Mediterranean world on his missionary journeys. He wrote 13 or possibly 14, if you count Hebrews, books of the New Testament. And uh, just, you know, so he wrote half the New Testament. And uh, he, he always used an analogy. Four or five times he used an analogy when he was encouraging the early Christians. Remember, these, these early churches, they, they were first-generation Christian. They, you know, it was new for them. And Paul would always tell them, he would use the analogy of running a race to compare to them running their spiritual race or running the race of life. And uh, so that's, that's how we got this. Kind of like you need discipline, endurance, perseverance, consistency to train and, and run and to finish a race. And the same thing, we need these same ingredients in our Christian lives if we're really going to run the race and do the things that God has asked us to if we're really going to reach our our potential. So that's, that's kind of where the thought comes from. And then Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, our text this series, it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And, uh, the, you know, this, this verse gives us three insights. First of all, it says that, that we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, that the spiritual giants before us, uh, they left their fingerprint on the, on, the, on the Christian faith through the Bible and literature and narratives that we hear, they, they left their imprint, and that they, their whole job was to encourage future generations. And so we, we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, the spiritual giants, and it says, let us, let us throw off the things that hinder us. So we learn that there and the sin that's so easily entangles. So we know that there are things that hinder us in our life. There's just things that just get in the way. Every week as you're going through life, something pops up that you didn't expect. Can I hear, get an amen? Something pops up you didn't expect, and it, it can hinder your focus on what's really important. Have you ever got through a week and you're like, man, I did a lot of stuff, but I don't know if I did anything important. I don't know if I did the, the, the most important thing. So there's things that hinder us. We have to throw those off, and then we, we have to also... Uh, get rid of the sin that so easily entangles us. And, and so we put those two thoughts together. When I was thinking about that this week, if, if, if we're running the race of, of life and we have a cloud of witnesses, these spiritual giants, what would happen if these spiritual giants, some of the men and the women, the matriarchs and patriarchs of our faith, what if they could come down and join us for a little bit as we ran our race? I wonder what they would say. What, what would they say to encourage us, to inspire us, uh, to, to follow the Lord? And, and so we, we've done three so far. We, first of all, we, we, Noah came and ran with us for a little bit. And I know you have to use your imagination a little bit. But if Noah came and ran with us, then I believe he would say something very simple. I believe he would tell all of us that one person can make a difference. One person can make a difference. Can you say that with me? Say, say I can make a difference. And we can make a difference. We impact people. We touch, we rub shoulders with people every day at work, in our families, in our neighborhoods. And one person can make a difference. Then we talked about the life of Esther. And I believe Esther would tell us that we were born for such a time as this. 
God put us right here in this time frame, in this period, uh, you know, to build the kingdom, to, to, you know, push the Christian faith forward. And so all of us were born for such a time as this, and now it's not the time to shrink back. Now it's not the time to go into a bunker mentality. Now is the time uh, to spread the love of Jesus in the culture that we live in. And then last week, we looked at Moses, and Moses told us this, that we need to live in the faith zone and not the safe zone. Now, last week, I think that message really touched some people because the altar up here, it was full of people who said, I need to get out of the safe zone, and I need, need to get into the faith zone. So now I want you to get up and come up if you actually did it this week. I'm, I'm kidding. Wow, that message had a staggering result, right? But ho hopefully, hopefully that penetrated your heart and your spirit, and it wasn't just a confession you made here. Hopefully, as you went through the week, you really began to press in. You really began to believe God for the supernatural in your life. And here's the thing. The greatest spiritual results we can have in our life is when we get out of the safe zone and into the faith zone. And so as we're reflecting on the words of, of Noah and Esther and Moses, we realize that another, another spiritual giant, another one of the cloud of witnesses has a woman has emerged, and, and she's beginning to run alongside us. And before we can speculate on, on who she is, she begins to tell us a story. And the story kind of catches us off guard a little bit. She said, uh, you know, nothing seemed that unusual to me that evening. I had just finished my job as a shepherd, and I brought my flock to the, the town spring, and I was just waiting my turn to... To water, to water my flock, and uh, I was talking with all my friends and all the other men and women that were there about, about the day's, day's events, and my time came, so I watered my flock, and, and now I was looking forward to going home. I was looking forward to enjoying the evening with my family, so I had, had my, my, my big jar on my shoulder, and I began to take my flock uh, toward their, you know, toward their uh, nightly resting place and, and make my way home, and all of a sudden this older gentleman, a kindly gentleman, uh, asked me if I would give him a drink, and he looked lost, he looked like a stranger, uh, he was, he was, he was, again, he was getting up in years, and I could tell that he was a servant because uh, of the clothes he wore, but I, but I could tell also he was a servant of, of some type of a very good family, a wealthy family, and uh, so I did, I, I, I stopped and and I watered, I gave him a drink of water, and he, man, he, he was dirty and dusty and hot, and man, he took a, a, he took a good long drink, and while he was drinking, uh, I noticed that he had ten camels with him. And so I, noticed, I thought, man, if he is this thirsty, if he's traveled a great distance, certainly his camels must need watering too. And so I asked him, uh, can I water your camels? And he says, sure. So she begins to lower, lower the bucket in the, in, the, in the spring, bring it up, fill her jar, and carry it, uh, you know, to the camels. And she took all the time until the camels were, were fully, fully watered. And what she says is this. She's like, I never realized that one act of generosity would change the whole direction of my life. My whole life was changed by my, this one selfless, generous act that I did, and, and the lives of my future children, uh, the lives of my current family, 
all of them were changed. And then she looks at us and she says this. She says, give generously to others. Give generously. Be generous to other people. And of course, we, we realize uh, that we have been joined by Rebecca, the, the, the wife of Isaac. So Rebecca would say this. Rebecca would say, give generously to others. And the backdrop from this story comes from Genesis chapter 24. Of course, this time Abraham is getting old in years. And his, his wife Sarah has died. And his, his son, Isaac, that God had promised him in his old age, now he's even getting older. And uh, Abraham realizes, I really need to help Isaac find a good wife. And so Abraham calls his most trusted servant in. And he says, look, I need, I need to find a wife for Isaac, but I don't want to find a woman from the local region right here, uh, you know, because they, they have the habit, they, they serve other gods and idols, idolatry and stuff. He, said, he tells the servant, I want you to swear to me that you'll go back to my homeland, uh, to, you know, to, uh, to my family and where I grew up, and I want to promise, I want you to promise me that, that you will find a wife for my son Isaac. And th there, was a, there was a dialogue there. And so in Genesis 24, verse 10 through 14, it tells a little bit about this story. It says this, Then the servant left, taking with him ten of his master's camels, loaded with all kinds of good things from his master. And he set out from Aram Neharim and made his way to the town of Nahor. He had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town. It was toward evening the time the women go out to draw water. Then he prayed, Lord God of my master Abraham, make me successful today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside this spring and the daughters of the town people are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar, that I may have a drink, and she says, drink, and I will water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. And of course, at this prayer, Rebecca is the first woman he encounters, and, and his prayer is answered. You know, one thing we need to realize here is that in the ancient culture, it, it was very, very hospitable. Um, you know, we don't, we don't have a super hospitable culture today, do we? And, and there's a lot of reasons why um, sometimes bad things happen. But, but in these cultures, if you were a stranger, an alien, an alien or a foreigner or a traveler, and you went to one of these small towns or villages, uh, somebody would offer you a place to sleep. Somebody would offer to feed you, uh, to give you water, and to take care of your animals. It was just the thing that, that was, was required. So it, it, it wasn't so, it wasn't so special that Rebecca offered to give him a drink. What was special is that she went above and beyond and watered his camels too. She was, uh, you know, just very generous out, out, of, out of her heart. And, uh, you know... Perhaps, perhaps this servant, perhaps he was kind of lost. He was kind of looking for a place to go. Let me ask you a question. 
have you ever been lost and, at, and stopped to ask for directions and they didn't seem to be so willing to help? Really? Any stories anyone wants to tell? I have one. Uh, this, all of my stories are old. They show my age. Not all of them, but most of them. So I was 18 years old, and I was living in San Marcos, Texas, and my truck broke down. My transmission was not working, and I didn't have a lot of money, so my dad called one of his friends in San Antonio, and he, he had found a transmission to put in my truck. So I was supposed to drive to San Antonio, and again, when I was 18, there were no cell phones, there were no GPS systems, and so I got directions and I went to San Antonio. Well, I got lost. I got lost. I took a wrong turn or something. I got lost, and I got lost in a bad part of town, and I got lost in a part of town where not too many people spoke English. San Antonio, right? And so I remembered I wanted to stop, but I was scared to get out of my truck, you know? So I kind of pulled up to a curb, and there were some young guys there, and I, so I asked them for directions. And, they, man, they seemed very nice, you know? They just, they, they told me, and I was right down. And so I went, and I, I did exactly what they told me to do, and about five minutes later, I came back to the same corner. And they were pointing and laughing at me. Ah, El gringo, ha, ha, ha. I was so mad. I was so mad. I was so mad. I was 18. I hadn't been sanctified yet. And I, I just wanted to punch that guy so hard. I wanted to get out of my truck and just tear him up. And my problem was, I, it was kind of like a gang-related thing, I believe, going on there. And I was confident that I could whip him, but I didn't know about his 12 friends. You know what I'm saying? So, so I, I, t I ate humble pie, and I, and I, I, just, I, you know, I, I just drove off. But that, that's, kind of, that's kind of the culture that we're in today. It doesn't seem... Like, people are just so willing to help people. If some people ask you for directions or questions or help, we're, we're not so generous in our ability and our willingness. We're not as hospitable as, as they used to be. And yet, Rebecca's gift to the servant went above and beyond what hospitality would have been required. So the first thing we, that Rebecca that we learn from Rebecca's life is this. Rebecca went the extra mile without being asked. Come on, this is good stuff. Come on, parents. How many say, how many tell your kids you need to listen to this? How many kids tell your parents, you know, you need to listen to this, okay? Went above and beyond. Went the extra mile without having to be asked. The servant didn't say, hey, do you think you could water my camels too? All he did was ask for a drink for himself, and we learn in his prayer he said, man, I'm looking for a special woman for Isaac. I'm looking for a woman that has some character, that has some generosity. And, and so, God, here's what I want to do. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to ask her to, 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 to water me. I mean, I don't take much. Let it be the one who says, yeah, and I'm going to water your camels too. Let her be the one that you select for, your, for um, my servant son Isaac. So I, let, let's take a look at some of these calculations. I believe they'll put them on your screens. Ten camels, and at the minimum, a camel would have drank 20 gallons. We're being conservative. Sometimes they say pastors exaggerate. I don't want to exaggerate. A camel could easily drink 20 gallons of water. So, so that, that equals 200 gallons of water. 200 gallons of water drawn with a five-gallon jar is 40 trips. If she does one trip at a conservative three minutes per trip, she just... She just offers herself for two more hours of work in the evening when she's tired. And it's quite possible 
that this took her between two and a half and three hours, depending on if the camels drank the lower end of the range, 20 gallons, or if they drank more towards uh, 30 gallons. So an extra extra two hours, conservatively, of work when she's already tired. She's already done her day's work. She just wants to go home and, and rest and relax with her family. And instead, she gave herself another two hours of work at her own request, at her own thought, not being asked by someone else to do it. Now, so let me give you a comparison. Sometimes people say, well, you know, I, don't, I can't really understand the story about the camels. Well, let me just bring it to you, okay, in today's world. That would be like if your neighbor comes over and says, and, and says hey, my mower's out of gas. I don't feel like driving to the store. Do you, do you have some gas that I could put in my mower? And you say, yeah, and you carry the thing over there, and you fill their mower up with gas, and you just kind of brush them off, and you crank the mower. You mow their yard, then you find the weed eater, you edge their yard, then you blow it off, then you say, hey, do you have a couple cars? Could you pull your cars out so I can wash and wax them? That, that, that's, a, that's about what happened here, because you, you, you can do that in, a, you know, in several hours. And, and so it wasn't, it, it wasn't asked of her, but she knew it was needed. And so she went above, she went the extra mile without, without being asked, You know, and it seems Rebecca watering the camels without being asked, it, it's, it, Rebecca seemed to be saying this, I'll do what you asked me to do, and then I'm going to do something more. See, that, that, that's, that is not done too much in our society today. I'm going to do what you asked me to do, then with a good attitude and a smile on my face, I'm going to go above and beyond because I, I just want to bless you. In contrast, many people today uh, seem to be thinking, I'm going to do the least that is expected of me, and then I'm going to try to get the most out of it. Come on, we have any bosses here today? Anyone try to hire somebody today? I'm going to do the least amount of work possible, uh, but I want to get the most out of it. I'm going to do the bare minimum, but I'm going to expect maximum results. Do you see a problem with that? And, and so sometimes we're giving minimum effort And we're wondering why we're not experiencing fruitful results. See, whatever you sow, that's what you reap. Whatever you sow, that's what grows. And when you sow minimum effort, when you sow doing the very least, you get the most sparse crop ever. When you begin to sow going above and going the extra mile without being asked, we start planting seeds of generosity. That's the crop that comes up. And, you know, sadly, uh, this underlying spirit, I, I believe, it's crept into the church, and, you know, few, few Christians, few Christians desire uh, to do more than they must. Everywhere you look, you, you see the attitude of minimum effort for maximum payment or maximum results. So let me, let, me give you, let me give you just some scenarios. Many Christians today give, give the, the minimum effort to prayer, to reading their Bible, to serving people, to attending the church, to giving us some of what God's blessed them with to the local church. They give a, a minimum effort, but they expect what they pray for is for God's blessings just to overtake them. Man, it got really quiet in here. Y'all okay? No, listen, every time I do, I look, I, I give a message, I, I look at myself in the mirror and, and so I have to ask myself this week, 
Man, are you doing the bare minimum in your spiritual walk, but you're wanting God just to overflow you with blessings? I think it's something that we constantly, we can do good, we can do good, and do good for six months, eight months, but sometimes it's so easy just to be, get into a complacent spiritual walk where we're not putting time in with God, we're not honoring Him, we're not reading His Word, we're not praying, we're not doing the things that He simply asks us to do, and then we're praying before we go to bed for God just to bless us. You notice when you pray for yourself, you know, you, you pray for God's overwhelming blessings on your life. When you pray for other people, you're like, God, just help them. They need help, God. They, they need help bad. But when you pray for yourself, God of mercy. The God who can multiply. Part the Red Sea. Do a miracle. You see what I'm saying? And, and hey, there's nothing wrong with praying and asking God to bless you. There's nothing wrong with praying. for. We should expect blessings. But I think many times our blessings are sewed up with the effort. Not just the effort, but notice with Rebecca, it wasn't just Rebecca's effort, it was her heart. It was her heart that, that out of the goodness of her heart, she just wanted to do something to bless this kind, gentle, elderly man. And, and it goes, it, not just in our spiritual life, but sometimes we give the least amount of effort at work, but we want raises and promotions. And here's the deal. I just want to encourage you. Some, some of you are so good at what you do, you can do the least amount and it's enough. Some people's least amount looks better than some people really trying. But I just want to challenge you today. Go above and beyond for your employer. Go above and beyond and, and just bless them and have the heart and have the attitude I'm going to do whatever I can to make this company successful. Sow those type of seeds so you can get those type of results in your life. And, you know, many people put very little effort into their marriages and children, but they want healthy families. And so you, you see where I'm going. And I'm, not trying, I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm just saying Rebecca gives us a stark reminder of what it looks like to go above and beyond, to go above what's expected without being asked. It's an incredible thing. Isn't it incredible when somebody does something for you and, and they go, you know, you, you go, say you go to the, I went to a mechanic one time and, and he came out and said, yeah, I did these things for you. I, yeah, I noticed, I noticed that your, your fluids were low. I topped those off and I did this. We, we didn't charge anything for it. Your tires need air, you know. Just did. They went above and beyond and, and they didn't charge for it just because they were concerned for you. You know, I learned a tremendous, uh, tremendous lesson when I was, I learned a, an amazing thing. You know, I went to the military for a couple years because I didn't know what I wanted to do in college. I never thought, I, ne I didn't realize how many lessons and stories and principles I would get from those, from those two years. But, so one time, we had this little bitty, this little bitty, he was, uh, he was, he was from Panama, a Panamanian first sergeant. Little bitty guy, man, this guy, my, Went about right here. He might have weighed about 100 pounds. And he was our new first sergeant. And, uh, you know, your company has a standard, has a banner, and you have some things, whatever your company has done. And he really wanted a PT banner, a physical, physical fitness banner. And, but to do that, they would take 20% of your company, and you had to score a certain amount on it. So what he did, uh, he, and he was smart, you know, he took all the young guys, all the 18, 19, and 20-year-olds to go do this test. And I, I knew what was going to happen because 
you know, these guys weren't, weren't, weren't very motivated, so they were going to do well, but they weren't going to put out maximum effort. I said, First Sergeant, I, I turned into a negotiator. I said, First Sergeant, I know you really want this banner. He said, yes, Donnell, I want it bad. I said, okay. So well, here's the deal. I said, these guys need motivation. He said, what can I do? I said, give them a four-day weekend. Give them a four-day weekend, and you will see maximum effort. And he did. He said, guys, come here. I will give you a four-day weekend if you, this weekend if you get this banner for me. You have never seen guys try so hard in their lives. I mean, guys that, that normally barely pass the run, they're just smoking around the track, everyone maxing out push-ups. I mean, ma- I mean, hurting themselves to get this done. And so, you know, they bl- we blew the top off that thing, got in the banner, so he called everyone together. And he says, hey, I, I, want, I want you all to know something. Now I know what you're capable of. So now I expect this every day. And... and you know, I, I, I thought about that. I thought about I kind of felt like a loser a little bit. I mean, I enjoyed my four-day weekend, but here I'm negotiating to do something that I should have just wanted to do because I should have wanted to give my best. And I think so many times in our lives, we don't want to go above and beyond. But listen, God, God, as Christians, we're supposed to give our very best and everything. When we go over and beyond, not only does it bless other people, it releases the blessings of God upon our life. And so Rebecca, Rebecca reveals a very important principle for our lives, that go the extra mile without being asked. The second thing I think is very important is that from her life we see that you can't be, gener- you can't be generous and legalistic at the same time. You know, one of the main things, many of you here today, you were raised in churches and maybe you quit going to church because you felt like the church was legalistic and legalistic in their approach. Here's what religious legalism looks like. It's like everything's measured by a yardstick. Every, everything you do has to be done in a certain way, and if you do everything in a certain way, then you will be blessed. But everything is cookie cutter. It has to be done the same way, the same way, and, and that, that's kind of that's how, how, how um, legalism works. But here's the thing. So Rebecca, she did more than was expected or required. She was generous in giving without keeping score. And again, contrast that with the religious leaders of the day. When Jesus was there, everything had to be done a certain way, and Jesus was out of the box, so they were so legalistic. They couldn't even, he's doing all these miracles, but they couldn't accept it because he didn't do it the way that they thought it should be done. And, And so... The problem with, 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 with legalism is le- legalism is really, uh, it's doing something in a certain way because if you do it that way, there's a calculated return. That, that's kind of what legalism is. And so uh, some, the, here's, I'm trying, let me try to express this better. So Rebecca, when she's there, you notice that she wasn't worried about anyone else well, why am I watering these camels and all these other girls just sitting around talking? Well, because you volunteered to do it, one thing. But see, legalism, legalism is, it's the best way to describe Legalism is always worried about other people. Well, they're not doing it right. Well, they're not doing right. Well, they're, and, and really, generosity is just, I'm just worried about 
what I'm doing. Rebecca's just worried about what I'm doing, about watering these camels. She's not worried about what other, what other people are, are looking. So legalism is always concerned about what other people are doing. And, and Rebecca, her generosity just came from the heart. It just, it just overflowed from the heart. She wasn't worried about other people. She wasn't worried about if this servant whose camel she was watering was worthy of it. The, the act needed to be done, and she did that. So uh, I, guess, I guess what I'm saying is it's hard for us to be generous if we're legalistic in our mind because nobody will ever be worth the effort because we're all sinners. We all mess up, and generosity doesn't, doesn't judge people for where they've been or, or what they're doing or if they've been perfectly right. Generosity just flows from our heart because there's a need and we say, man, I can, I can fill that need. I can do that. Rebecca said, I can do that. I can water these camels. It's not a big deal for me. The third thing is this. From Rebecca, Rebecca's life, we realize that you can't walk the second mile until, you first to walk, until you've walked the first mile. Have you ever noticed in life just in our lives in general, American people, we're, always, we're very good about talking about what we intend to do, but sometimes we're not very good at doing just what is asked of us, what's required of us, what's important today. Have, have you noticed that? And so, uh, you know, again, it's, it's, it's easy for people to talk about all the generous things that they intend to do in the future but if, if you're not generous now with what you have, it's very unlikely that you'll be more generous in the future. I mean, think about this. One of the, one of the, this is one of the big things I hear as a pastor. I, I hear this. Man, I just one day, one day, if God blesses me, I would just, lo- I would just love to write a massive, huge check to the church to build the kingdom. And, I, and I'm looking at him, I'm, and I, I don't say this, but I'm thinking, well, you know, I would love for you to do that too. But here, here's the principle. I, I've heard that, I bet, a thousand times I've been a pastor. But really, God's not asking you to do that if you don't have that. What God is saying with what he's blessed you with now, are you giving a little bit? Man, if you can't give 10% of $50,000, you're probably not going to give 10% of a million dollars. So just start now with what you have. Um, You know, you can't walk the second mile until you walk the first mile. Could you imagine if Rebecca would have just said, you know, I don't know about you, I'm not going to give you anything to drink, but I'm going to water your camels. We say, well, Terry, that's crazy. Well, well, it is. You've got to do the first thing. She did the thing that was asked of her, and then she walked, uh, walked the, the, the second mile. So, I mean, th- just think about this with your life. You know, many times to get growth in our lives, to get increase in our lives, we, it's not so much really about praying for more, and it's really about just taking action where we're at. You know, I want God to bless my time, you know. So what can I do now just to serve, you know, if I'm not doing anything, can I serve in the church once a month and help out? Can I help my neighbor out once a month? I have uh, a single mom in my neighborhood. Can I help her out just every once in a while? So, you know, start doing a little bit instead of saying, well, one day I'd like to retire and just devote all my time to charity. Well, but start now. Give God something to work with. Start now. Start doing something now. And so 
what, what I'm trying to say is, you know, the way, the way that you do big things is that you just start with the little things. Just, just start with allowing God to use you, the gifts and talents that you have. And the fourth thing is this, is that extra blessings result from extra effort. Extra blessings result from extra effort. And so, again, Rebecca was at the end of her day, and certainly she was tired, looking forward to going home. Have you ever noticed that sometimes when we see an opportunity to help or to serve or to give, it's not our optimal time? Well, gosh, if that had been on Tuesday. But Thursday's been tough, man. Thursday's my worst day. Man, Tuesday was... I was gonna. I was able to serve all day on Tuesday, but it's five o'clock on Thursday. And I am man. I'm just tired, you know. Man, it's just tough. And, and so I'm, again, Rebecca's at the end of the day. It wasn't at the beginning of the day. At the end of the day, she's already tired. She's already tired, and, and you know, and she just wants to go home. And you know, she volunteers for at least two more hours of work. But she, it doesn't seem like work because her heart is right. It seems like. I'm sure she's talking to the servant while this is going on. And then as soon, as soon as she finishes watering the camels, this servant tells her about his prayer, takes her to her family, and yeah, those ten camels she just watered, mm-hmm, they're bearing gifts for her and her family. Well, in that case, I'd have watered them, Terry. I would have watered them. Think, think about this. Many times there's blessings that are waiting for us, but we don't unlock them because we don't go the extra mile. I, I mean, they, they went straight to her family and unloaded those donkey, those camels for her, gave gifts and earrings and things to her, and then she went back and, yeah, Isaac, yeah, he, he, he's, he would have been on The Bachelor show, right? He's the most... Eligible bachelor in that, in that area. Yeah, his dad is like loaded. His dad is like loaded. And yeah, his dad owns all this property. And yeah, Isaac is going to get everything. So Rebecca, think of this. Rebecca ends up with the, with the inheritance, the, the natural wealth, the inheritance of Abraham. Yeah, and guess what? There's more. She got to walk with Isaac in the spiritual covenant that God had made through Abraham, Isaac, down through Jacob, and down for, and yeah, she ends up in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Extra effort brought an extra blessing. So see, what, what, if, what, what if she wouldn't have, what, what if she hadn't done her part? What if she hadn't been generous? What if she didn't fulfill the prayer of the servant? Then she, she God would have brought someone else. She would not have, she would have not have got that. Proverbs 11.24 says this, just an amazing proverb. It says, one person gives freely, yet gains even more. It's a paradox. It sounds crazy. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. So there's one person, there's one man, there's one woman, there's one boy, there's one girl, there's one college student, put your name in there, who just gives freely and and God just increases what he gives, and he's blessed even more. But there's a person who has. It's in their ability to give. But they, they're not going to be generous. They're not going to be a blessing. They're not, 
and they, they withhold unduly, and they come, they come to poverty. As, as we wrap up this morning, I'm going to have the worship team can, uh, just come up this morning, and I, I just want you to think about this with me this morning. You know, again, Rebecca has been running with us, and she's really given us some nuggets of wisdom, some, some really incredible insight, and she gave it from something that she experienced in her life, that there was this day when she decided to be generous, where, where out of her heart she just began to help this person that she never knew before, and from that, one act of generosity opened up doors. It, it changed her family's life. They received all these gifts. It changed her life. It changed the, the future of her, of, her, of her children. But Rebecca encourages us to have a different spirit than is prevalent today. And this spirit of generosity, it's not normal today. You know how you say, you know, the, the, the studies show that how generous Americans are. And what I've learned, you know, research can, can point either way, but we, we have the, an attitude of generosity, but many times we don't have the actions to follow it up. Like, you can say anything. You can act like you're generous. You can say anything you want if you never help anybody, if you never do anything, if you're never generous with, with the time and the resources you have. And she would tell us that heartfelt generosity opens up opportunities that we would never expect. So she would, she told us several things. First of all, go the extra mile. Don't wait for someone to ask you to go the extra mile. Just go the extra mile. If you see something that needs to be done, don't ask someone to do it. Just, just begin to do it. And, and I think, of course, that doesn't just work for our teenagers. It works for me. It works for you. All the time we're out there. All the time we're out there and we're, we're walking around. But you know what? Sometimes our eyes are so closed that we don't see the opportunities around us. Let me give an example. This was several years ago. Uh, I was in a hurry, which is kind of normal for me. We'll be driving down a road, and Tracy's like, are we in a hurry? I'm like, yeah, we are. She's like, why? I said, I don't know, but I'm just in a hurry to get somewhere, you know? And, but the thing with this, so Ty and I, my son Ty and I, we, we were doing something, and so we, we, I think we're at Walmart, and we, uh, we got out of my, out of my truck, and I was telling him, hey, we got to hurry, we got to go in and get this thing, and we got to be somewhere. And so, like, I'm speed walking across the, the parking lot, and Ty's not anywhere around. I'm like, Where, where's Ty? And I look back, and there was a single mom. She had kids on the hip and a kid in the basket, and she had all this stuff. And I look back, and um, Ty was putting her stuff in her car for her. And I'm like, well, he got that from me, I'm sure, you know. <laughs> you ever feel like a loser? Loser, loser. And I said, good job. But you know what, that, hey, sometimes we can be in such a hurry to do good things. See, that was just a simple, kind act that took five minutes. And, but the thing is, I think whenever we ask God, God, I want to be generous. I want to be generous. I want to be generous with my time. I want to be generous with my finances. I want to be generous. I just want to be generous. I think when we, when we pray that, God will always open up opportunities. And it doesn't have to be something that takes two hours. It can be something that takes 15 minutes, 10 minutes. And so she would tell us to go the extra mile. She would tell us that, you know, do the first mile. Do the basics. Do what you need to do now before 
you know, you walk the second mile, and that extra blessings bring, extra effort brings blessing to your lives. And I, you know, I thought today I just wanted to close, but I just wanted to pray for the spirit of generosity in our church today. Would you stand with me? Would you take just a moment just, just to reflect on where you're at and, and you know, maybe, maybe you say, uh, I just allow the Holy Spirit to talk with you and, you know, are you generous in your attitude or are you really generous helping, serving, looking for ways to help people? Just allow the Holy Spirit to talk to you for a minute and then I'll pray for you in just a minute.